Welcome to the All Things Overlanding podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. If you are just tuning in, my name is Fletch, and I am with a, I guess you would say, a content production company. Yeah, it's not that fancy. It's just me, just Fletch. Uh, I'm just a guy out of Indiana, and uh, I do overlanding. I like to do a lot of overlanding stuff. And I actually heard about Overland Radio through a website called overlandmeetup.com. So if you're not familiar with that, you should definitely check it out. Um, but so the gentleman that runs that, his name is Lee Odom, and I'm sure he's creepily listening right now. Um, but he is the one that runs Overland Meetup, and he also runs Overland Radio. And so he said, you know, hey, you're producing content. How would you like to come on the radio and do a show? So I said, all right. So here we are. Um, so again, I just wanted to say welcome. All right, Lee is talking to me in the in the comments. So if, if you're listening on the radio, there is a spot on overlandradio.com, just so you know. At the top, you'll see that menu there, and it says Interact. If you hover over that button, it'll a little drop-down will come down, and you'll see something that says Chat With Us. So if you're on the website or if you're on your phone or whatever, if you click on Chat With Us, then you can post up live, and, and that way I'll, I'll try and keep up with those comments and read back to you guys what you're saying and, and respond to any questions or anything like that. But um, I think tonight's show is going to be a good one. I've got some exciting plans, so I hope you guys enjoy. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for coming, and uh, let's get started. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, again, my name is Fletch. I run a YouTube channel, a Facebook page. Howdy, Jack. Um, I run a, a YouTube channel, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and I've got a website called allthingsoverlanding.com. Um, you know, the funny thing is I am not by any means any sort of expert or anything like that on overlanding, and I don't purport myself to be, but... I'm a guy that enjoys it. I've been doing it for about four years now, um, constantly learning. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about overlanding, right, is I wouldn't say that anybody is is necessarily a 100% expert. We can always learn more. There's always new gear coming out. There's all kinds of cool stuff um, coming. So, hey, all over Overland. How you doing, Michael? Um, so yeah, so, you know, while I may not be an expert, I'm into it. I'm interested in it. And, uh, again, I like, you know, talking about the stuff that I've learned. I think that, you know, I'm, while I'm not an expert, I'm, I'm a little bit further along than a noob still. So, um, I'd love to pass on some of that information and hopefully, you know, if you are newer to overlanding tonight, I'm going to touch on some of the basics of just like, what is overlanding? Um, you know, what's the definition, what are some things you need to think about, vehicle selection, things like that. So some of the basics. Um, I'm also going to do some comparisons of like what is overlanding versus off-roading, which, you know, everybody, that usually starts a fight, but I'm going to try and be very diplomatic about it. So um, hang out for that and we'll go through that a little bit. And then I'm going to kind of wrap it up with some resources and I'm going to talk a little bit about some DIY projects that I've got going on just so that you guys can kind of, you know, I can get you up to speed on those because I think they're pretty cool. And I kind of, you know, I typically would describe myself as more of a budget-minded overlander. Um, I do it as a hobby for fun. And while, you know, I think a lot of us would love to be like an expedition overland or an overland bound and kind of, you know, do it full time and do it as a job and travel all over to different countries and crossing borders and stuff that that's not the reality for a lot of us. So that's kind of what I focus on is, you know, when you can get those two and three and four day trips, how do you do that realistically? How do you, you know, work around your job? How do you fund those, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll kind of go through a little bit of that as well. So, um, diving right in all things overlanding. That's kind of my quote unquote brand, if you will. Right. So if, if you haven't already, definitely go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube is kind of the big push. I, I love making videos and putting that content out. It gives me a great chance 
to, you know, talk to folks and via the comments and I get a lot of messages from there and, you know, people ask for things and then that gives me a lot of ideas for new content that I can make for you guys. So definitely go join the conversation over on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. I love chatting with you guys. It's one of my favorite things. So definitely check me out over there. Um, and if you haven't heard of me, I'm not really surprised. Honestly, I'm not that big yet, but hopefully someday, right? Hopefully someday we'll be bigger and, and everybody will know who I am. But until then, I'm just going to keep working at it. Um, so yeah, I make content about overlanding, camping, adventure travel, pretty much anything to do with overlanding. So yeah, definitely if you're interested, go check me out over there. Um, on tonight's show, I kind of mentioned what I'm going to be going through. So let's just start with the definition. So again, this is the basic overlanders 101, right? So what is the definition of overlanding? Um, and overlanding is defined as self-reliant overland travel to remote destinations where the journey is the principal goal. Typically, but not exclusively, it's accomplished with mechanized off-road capable transport. So it could be, you know, bicycles, motorcycles, uh, SUVs, trucks. Um, and the principal form of lodging is often camping, usually lasting for extended periods of time. So when you think about that and when you kind of break that down, right, it's not that complex. And for some reason, there seem to be a lot of discussions online and arguments online about, you know, what makes me a real overlander and I have a rooftop tent and a high lift jack. So am I an overlander yet? And I mean, honestly, guys, my opinion is as soon as you get out there and take a trip, right, as soon as you get interested in it, you could have a stock Toyota Prius and go take it through some gravel roads in a national forest and go camping for a night. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're an overlander, right? Like it's, there is no definition for what makes an overlander. An overlander is someone that enjoys the journey and wants to get out and take a trip and overcome obstacles and check out some beautiful sights and spend some time in nature. So first of all, now we've gone through the definition of overlanding, but don't get hung up on that definition, right? Like you don't have to check certain boxes to become an overlander. I'm the perfect example, right? Like I went out and I bought a stock Nissan Xterra. And I, I, my first thought was, man, I got to lift this thing and I need big knobby tires and I need a high lift jack and I need an ax and a chainsaw and I need all this stuff. Right. And I started to build the truck and I got a month or two in and then I was like, man, I haven't even taken this thing off like concrete. I don't even know if this truck is going to work for my needs. Like what I've never even thought about where I wanted to go or what kind of obstacles I wanted to do, but I'm building a rock crawler, you know? Um, so some things to think about. Um, you need to think about some really basic stuff, right? Like gear is kind of the first thing. So what do you really need to go on an overlanding trip? Do you need 16 jerry cans full of gas? Do you need a 40 gallon water tank? Do you need a shower? No, maybe not. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you really like to take showers, but you just need to think about the basics, right? To get started, all you have to think about is a few basics. So shelter is one of those, right? If you're going to be spending extended periods of time out in the wilderness, it doesn't matter what it is, but you need a tent or a tarp or a hammock, a rooftop tent. You could sleep in your vehicle. There's a million different ways you can do it, but you at least need to think through it because that's going to change a lot of things. That's going to change the layout of your vehicle. It may even change your vehicle selection. If you plan to sleep in the vehicle, um, if you have to take a bunch of people with you, that could change your vehicle selection. So just think about shelter. That's one of the basic things to think about. Another one is fire. So, and you could say this is a luxury item. I don't know. For me, I don't really see the point. <laughs> like the fire is the best part, sitting around a fire, drinking a beer, smoking a cigar, relaxing, enjoying yourself out in the wilderness. Um, Oh, I see you, Jack. Yep. No, that's perfect, man. That's you did it right. Wait until 60,000 on the odometer before adding a lift bumper winch and rooftop tent. Yep. That's exactly right. Like I did it wrong and I admit it. Um, now I didn't do everything at the beginning and I've continued to mod the truck since, but you are right. Don't go out and take the trip first with the vehicle that you've got. Learn about what you want to do. Learn about the terrain you want to tackle. And then you can start to modify. Um, and an awning is a great great thing. I, I have an awning that I finally got about a year and a half or two ago, and it is literally one of my favorite things. So that kind of feeds into that shelter piece, right? If you have an awning, that's kind of a nice way to stay out of the elements. Um, so second, fire, like I said, you want to stay in the fire or you want to have a fire, or in my opinion, it's just not very much fun. But to do that, you know, there's actually quite a bit of stuff you need. You need reliable way to start a fire. 
And I can tell you for a fact, do not rely on one fire starting source. Like always have a backup because I got a fancy new lighter and I took it with me on a trip and it immediately failed. And luckily I had a ferro rod in my truck and I used that and it was a little more work, but I got it done. Um, so always have, you know, multiple ways to start a fire. And you also need to think about, you know, are you the type of person that's going to like bushcraft yourself some feather sticks? Um, are you going to be, you know, building a Tinder bundle? Like, is that the kind of like trips you want to take? Or do you want to bring, you know, like fire starters or like fat wood or something like that to get the fire started? So again, just stuff you have to think about. So you don't go out on your first trip and go, oh, shoot, now I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I don't have a tent or I don't have something to start a fire. Um, third, I would say recovery. This is something that I think is overlooked quite a bit, especially by new folks to overlanding. I know I didn't have proper recovery gear for about the first six to eight months. I had a strap and a, and a shackle, which is good. That's a good start, right? But I went by myself all the time. So I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and sure, that strap is great, but not if there's no one there to pull me out. Um, I didn't even have traction mats back then when I first started. I literally just, I had done some off-roading before, and I said, I need a strap and a D-ring, and I'm good. And then I got out there in the middle of nowhere, and I never got stuck, but I was like, okay, if I get stuck now, <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. This is not going to work. So I got some traction mats. I, you know, I've added a winch since then. There's, there's a ton of things that you don't necessarily need until later, but you do want to think about those things when you're starting out. Like a winch may be an important thing if you're going to do some really tricky terrain and you're going to be solo a lot. Um, <laughs> Jack says, blowtorch and a Milwaukee tool blower. That will start a fire. That is true. And if you have a big enough rig and, and you can fit it, then that's, that is definitely an option, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's recovery is another good one. Um, lastly, one that is, I think, wildly overlooked and one that I didn't even start thinking about until like a year and a half or two in when I was with someone whose rig broke down is tools. And that, you know, I think everyone will agree with me on that, but I think to new overlanders specifically, especially if you're not mechanically inclined, um, that may come off as kind of surprising, right? Like, oh man, well, I, I just bought a brand new forerunner. I don't need to bring tools. Like that's why I bought a new vehicle, right? But there is no way of telling when something's going to break. And it could be something simple. Um, my first vehicle was a 2000 Jeep Cherokee XJ, uh, Cherokee Sport. And uh, I went out to an off-road park with a bunch of other people. So I wasn't by myself or anything. And I started to go down a hill and I, I started to notice the brakes getting squishy. And I'm you know on the CB and I'm like, hey, guys, I something weird is going on. I don't know what's going on, but my brakes are seem like they're going out. And they're just like, whatever, suck it up, you're fine, ignore it, you're fine. Keep going, keep going. And finally we get to a point where we're going down this hill and I lost all my brakes and I slammed into the back of a, a Wrangler in front of me, a TJ, and had to ride his bumper to the bottom of the hill. And then I was like, guys, I told you I was losing my brakes. And we get down there and we look behind the front passenger side and the banjo bolt that holds the the... Uh, tube onto the back of it had got knocked loose by something and all the fluid drained out of my brakes. So then I had to baby it back to the parking lot. You know, I didn't have any tools on me because I wasn't prepared. So I had to borrow tools from somebody else. I had to go up and buy brake fluid and then I had to do a trail repair in the parking lot. But imagine if you're out in the middle of nowhere, right? Like that's a totally different situation. So definitely, definitely bring tools. And wrong turn mentions a shovel. That is also very useful for tons of different things, right? From clearing ashes out of a fire pit to digging yourself out if you get kind of stuck. Um, I personally have in my current vehicle, the Xterra, I've got some fist, uh, quick fist mounts on the, uh, what do you call it? The hatch in the back. And I've got a shovel. I've got a Fisker's axe. I've got a flashlight and I've got a Mora knife all mounted up back there. So I constantly, no matter where I am, those are permanently in the vehicle. So just to be safe, you want to have as much stuff as you possibly can that's feasible, right, in your vehicle. So that kind of covers the basic gear, right? And don't forget, too, it's going to be vehicle specific before I move on too far past tools. Like an Xterra may require different size sockets and slightly different tools and have some stuff that's more common to it from a maintenance standpoint than a Forerunner, right? So know your vehicle, learn your vehicle, learn what's going to go bad, get some spare parts, get some extra tools, and take those with you just to start out before you start modding. I know it's not as fun, but you got to do it. Um, so next, vehicle selection. I kind of have touched on this a little bit. Um, I, this always brings a lot of conversation too, but 
I am the type of person that would argue that vehicle does not matter, you know, kind of like Jack said earlier, get out there with what you got, test it out, learn the vehicle, make sure it's the one for you, make sure it can do the trips that you want to take, and then you can start to modify. Now, I would say that there are some, you know, sort of standards, you know, obviously like four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive is probably preferred just because the more wheels you got spinning, the more chance you have to get yourself unstuck if you get in something dicey. Um, It's not even about necessarily you know, being on super crazy terrain, you could be going down a gravel fire road and there could be, you know, a rutted out mud pit that doesn't look deep and then you hit it and it's up to your, you know, your doors. Um, So having four wheel drive or all wheel drive is preferred, not required, just something to think about. Again, if you're just going to always take fire roads, probably not a huge deal. Um, You know, you don't have to have a, a built rig with 35s and a rooftop tent. That's not necessary. Just think about, you know, it could be brand loyalty. That's what it was for me. Um, I mean, I'm a Nissan guy. And so when I started looking, I said, man, okay, I want to do overlanding. I want something that's capable that could go through some, you know, pretty tricky terrain. I'd like to kind of travel around the U.S. and do like Moab and do, you know, down to Kentucky, go to the Daniel Boone backcountry byway. I'd like to go up to the UP and Michigan. Like there's a ton of places that aren't too far from me. I mean, Moab is, but that aren't too far from me that have some pretty challenging terrain and I want to be able to do that. I don't I don't want to have a low clearance vehicle because I do want to do some of the trickier stuff. So for me, that made sense. I started looking at Nissans and really all they had was the Frontier and the Xterra. And at the time, Frontiers have sort of a tax on them, if you will, where they were, you know, for the exact same year trim, um, they were probably two to three grand more than an Xterra. And I have a couple of kids. So I was like, you know what? The SUV works for me and it's cheaper. So I'm going to get that. Um, but, you know, when choosing a vehicle... Good for hiding the bodies. (laughs) Okay, the chat is getting out of control. Um, But so, you know, when you're choosing a vehicle, so again, if you've already got a vehicle, even if it's a, you know, a 20-year-old Mitsubishi Montero, that's perfectly fine. Take what you got and get out there. If you don't have a vehicle, if you're new to overlanding and you're thinking, okay, I need to buy something and I want to buy a new vehicle or I want to buy a used vehicle, before you go out and buy that vehicle, there are a few things that you need to think about. One is what we talked about, the terrain, right? Are you just planning on getting off the beaten trail and going to state parks and going camping? Like camping in a state park? Are you just thinking of maybe some dispersed camping? And like, for me, Hoosier National Forest is really close, but it's literally just gravel fire roads. That's that's all we've got. Um, There's no, you know, rocky stuff. There's no real mud pits. There's just, there aren't trails. It's just roads. Um, and if that's what you want to tackle, if you are more about the getting there and, and hanging out and camping and drinking a beer or two, then that is fine. You could probably take a Chevy cruise and do that, you know? So think about the terrain that you want to tackle and that will help influence the vehicle that you're going to buy. Um, next, you know, the kinds of trips that you want to take. So again, to my story, like I wanted to take, you know, I watched all those YouTube videos of like expedition overland and, you know, I'm like, man, I want to go to Brazil And I want to go through this crazy stuff where like, I'm literally need to be helicoptered out. Like I want to do all the crazy stuff. So that's why I was like, I need an Xterra and I need a big lift and I need at least 33 inch tires and I have to do all this stuff. Um, But you know, some people don't want to just be bounced and jounced all over the place. They might want something more comfortable. So you might want like a, you know, like a Sequoia or something luxurious or, you know, in the Nissan world, like an Armada or a Infiniti QX56 that maybe you put a little lift on, or maybe you don't. And you just take nice trips with all your technology and all your stuff and, and you just enjoy the scenery, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not throwing shade at anyone. I'm just saying you got to think about what kind of trips do you want to take? Are you focused on comfort? Do you want max capability? Um, you know, are you planning to take really long highway trips to get to specific places where maybe gas mileage means more, maybe like a Subaru or something like that, that's plenty capable, um, but will get you twice the gas mileage of my Xterra. Maybe that makes more sense. Um, so think about the, the stretches of time, think about ground clearance, think about the types of trips and the comfort that you want to have, you know, think about the terrain that you want to tackle and all those should feed into, what kind of vehicle you buy. Um, Another thing is how much gear do you need? Like, are you going solo all the time? I am most of the time. So that makes it a little easier for me, but do you have kids? Are you going to take your kids on trips most of these times? Because I can tell you, I've taken my two boys on trips and somehow it like triples the amount of gear that we need. I don't know how it's just like a couple extra sleeping bags and some, 
you know, inflatable pads for them and stuff. But somehow there is like stuff falling over on top of them in the back of the truck and I have no room for anything. So think about how much gear you're going to you're going to have to bring and actually like plan it out. Actually start to like think about the sizes of this stuff and, you know, the interior room of the vehicle that you're getting. Um, So make sure that you're thinking about that because you could buy a vehicle and be all hip, you know, ready to go and and get a little bit into it and mob the thing and spend a bunch of money and then find out that your family doesn't fit in it. And that would be a real bummer. Um, and then lastly, are you mechanically inclined? So, you know, this could feed into whether you want to buy a newer vehicle or a used vehicle. So again, nothing is bulletproof. Nothing is guaranteed not to break, especially if you're going to be doing more challenging terrain. You never know. You could, I went to West Virginia a few months ago and on the way back, I noticed a weird noise and I got back and I noticed some leaking fluid and I had, I had these shocks. I had Nistec MK84's coilovers. I bought them used off of a buddy, but they only had 15,000 miles on them. And we didn't do anything super crazy. We did some water crossings and some rocky stuff, but nothing like way out of the ordinary. And I'd blown a shock on these, you know, basically almost brand new aftermarket off-roading coilovers. And I was shocked. But I mean, it happens, right? Like you just have no idea. Um, So if you're mechanically inclined, if you want to mod your vehicle, be thinking about that. Um, You need to look into like forums and stuff online. You need to learn about the vehicle to see what's available. That's one thing about Xterra's is they are like five times more expensive to modify than a comparable Jeep, like a Cherokee. My old Cherokee was, I got a full lift with shocks, uh, full coilovers in the front and an actual Adelie for the rear, not just a shackle lift. And it was like, I don't know. 250 bucks, something like that for the, X, for the XJ and for the Xterra, you look at something similar to that and you're talking, I don't know, a thousand to 1500 bucks all the way up to, there are some that are 2000, 2500 bucks for a full suspension system for the Xterra and it's out of control. Um, so be thinking about that. Be thinking if you want to modify it, if you can't do it yourself and you have to pay someone else, then be thinking about how much that's going to cost. Call around to some shops and do some research because you might think you're getting a great deal in buying this vehicle, but then if it's something that doesn't get modified and it's going to cost you three times as much as, you know, something else that you could have bought for pretty close to the price, then that can make a difference. Um, so to kind of wrap that up, I do want to say, I know I threw a lot out there, right? Don't get bogged down too much in the specifics. So it's fun to plan, right? It's fun to think through these things and and it's good to do that. It's, it's smarter to do that than it is just run out and buy a vehicle. Um, But don't get too bogged. Don't get bogged down to the point where you just can't pull the trigger on anything, right? Like weigh it out, pick the things that are most important to you, and then make the leap because there isn't going to be a perfect vehicle necessarily. And there's always going to be some pro, you know, some set of pros and cons for each vehicle. So if, you know, taking your family is the most important and reliability is the most important, um, you know, get a larger SUV that's a little bit newer. If going solo and going over the most crazy terrain is, you know, what you want to do and you're really mechanically inclined and you want to, you know, build this thing into, you know, a a Cherokee with a six inch lift and 35s on it, then, you know, get and get something older because you're going to beat it up. You're going to smash it against some rocks and some trees and, you know, you don't need the room in it. So the small XJ is fine. Um, So yeah, don't get too bogged down. But do your research. Think about it. That's half the fun anyways is planning the stuff. Before I even bought my exterior, I already had a whole mod list built out. So have fun with it, but don't get too bogged down in the details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that kind of covers that piece. Um, So next I want to talk about sort of a hot button topic, like I mentioned at the top of the show, overlanders versus off-roaders, right? And we've all seen the memes and we've seen the videos of, you know, the folks that uh, have that that one funny video, if you've seen it, of the the guy that's uh, at like a ski resort and he's like, these guys are just going everywhere and they're just like knocking stuff down and, and rushing right past me. And, and they're basically saying those are the off-roaders and the guy complaining is the overlander. Um, I would like to say that those, you know, those stereotypes don't hold true, but they kind of do, you know, like I, I was an off-roader before I was an overlander, but that was also like seven, eight years ago before I had kids and or before I had two kids when I was just having my first one and he was a baby. 
Um, I love to go and like challenge myself and, you know, see if I could climb that big rock wall over there and, and, you know, do that kind of stuff. And then after a couple of little accidents here and there and tapping a tree here and there and, you know, selling the, the Cherokee and then going a few years and having a couple of kids. And I was like, you know what, this is a vehicle. It costs money. I don't really want to just go wreck this thing to like be a badass in front of my buddies. Right. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, you've got to, you've got to kind of think about it. So in my current time, like I'm late thirties now and I've got a couple kids. So for me, overlanding made a little bit more sense and, and I'm going to kind of compare them again, not trying to piss anybody off. If you have comments about it, hop in the, hop in the uh, chat and let me know. But I just want to say some general things that I think are pretty much true between, you know, the difference between overlanders and off-roaders and even campers, like people that would call themselves campers and, and that say, well, what's overlanding is just car camping or it's just camping for a couple nights longer, that kind of thing. Um, so here's some of the differences that I think there are. So when you're talking about risk, right? So like I mentioned, off-roaders are big into risk. Um, if they go out, it's all about, you know, overcoming the most extreme obstacles. A lot of the times they'll, you know, trailer their vehicles out or they're barely street legal and they'll take their vehicles out and just go off-roading for the joy of being able to overcome super tough obstacles. Um, overlanding is kind of the opposite, right? Like, and not to say we don't enjoy obstacles. Again, coming from off-roading, I like to take the more challenging stuff because to me, that's what makes it interesting. Um, but the real idea, right, especially if you're solo and especially if you're on, let's say you're on like a two-week trip, I don't want to hit day two and do something stupid and wreck my rig and ruin my whole trip and spend three days or four days in a Nissan dealership or in a, a mechanic shop trying to get something fixed that I couldn't do a trail fix on. Um, so, you know, if, if overlanders come up to a big muddy pit, they're going to try and find, you know, some sort of a bypass or find a, a smarter line through it that's not going to risk the rig. Um, whereas off-roaders might be like, man, that's a cool challenge. I'm going to go try it. I'm going to throw the toe strap on the back, get ready to pull me out, you know, and they may go through it. Um, <laughs> Jack, you're right. Yeah. You cannot define overlanding on Facebook or you will start a fight. You're definitely true. That's true. Um, but so again, I, again, this is the whole purpose of this is not to like make anybody feel more or less than each other. Right. It's just a mindset for like, what is the difference? Right. Cause I've been both an off-roader and an overlander. Um, so gear and packing too, right? Big differences here. An off-roader, you know, when I go on an off-road trip, it's usually I drive a couple hours away to an off-road park. I spend the day there. I drive home. Um, so I don't really need to pack gear. I, it's much lighter. It's mainly my focus is recovery gear, like all the recovery gear I can take because the goal is almost to get stuck, right? I might bring some snacks or some food, but I'm not going to pack a fridge freezer. I'm not going to pack water. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have a giant seven gallon thing of water in the back it just doesn't make sense whereas overlanders have to think about you know the full the full uh trail you know the full thing right like not only do you have to think about camping and you have to bring a tent or a hammock and, and tarp or a rooftop tent or you know whatever you have to think about your shelter you have to think about your food but again it's not just stopping at a mcdonald's on the way there and then stopping at an arby's on the way back right like you have to bring all the food with you. You have to bring the stuff to prep for the food. You have to bring the stuff to cook the food. You have to have propane. You have to have a grill. You have to, you know, or use a fire. There's a million ways you can do it, right? But you have to think through that and plan for it and then bring the stuff that you're going to need. Um, it could even include stuff like showers if it's a long enough trip, you know, water for cleaning dishes, for taking those showers. Um, there's just a million things that you have to think about. And for me, that's half the fun. Like off-roading is a lot of fun as like a, a one day thing to go and go to an off-road park. Um, but you know, I like, I actually almost enjoy more like that week leading up to a trip where I've got a spreadsheet going and I know it sounds nerdy, but I've got a spreadsheet going and I'm, I'm planning all my gear and I'm thinking through it. And then, and then that's half the challenge, right? You go out and you take your trip and you get halfway through and you go, oh man, I way underplanned for water or I, oh, I forgot my propane tank. What an idiot. You know, I shouldn't have done that. This is going to change everything. Now I have to cook over the fire every night. Um, so like that's, that's half the fun for me, but it's different than off-roading. Right. And with camping, like if you wanted to compare it to just like plain old, you know, camping, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Generally it's shorter term. So you don't have to plan as much. Like you have to bring shelter. You have to bring something to start a fire. You have to bring some food probably, but it's could be like hot dogs or, you know, things like that that are going to be easy to cook over the fire, some s'mores, stuff like that. Again, no qualms with hot dogs or s'mores, but 
Um, it's just not, you're not thinking about things like maintenance to the vehicle or, you know, dishes or showers. Like there's probably going to be some sort of a toilet there, some sort of water there, possibly even an electric site where you can plug stuff in and charge stuff. So just a little bit different. Um, comms, I would say, are could be similar. I mean, you could argue either way on comms, but Typically, I think with overlanding, what I see more is like ham or GMRS, um, thinking about like longer term try or longer you know distance, trying to get in touch with people that maybe aren't just right on your bumper. Whereas like off-roading, you know, generally you move in kind of a pack, you move through trails, you wait for the other person to take the, the obstacle in front of you, and then you go over it. So a lot of the times I see CBs out there, although GMRS are making, you know, a bigger appearance out there too. I wish everyone, honestly, side note. I just wish everyone would switch to GMRS so we could all be done. Like, ham is cool, but it's too much for me. You got to think about all these things. You have to get a license. You have to do all these things. That's too much. It's too hard. But GMRS is great. It's so much better than CB. You have handhelds. I know technically you're supposed to take a test, and I don't think any of us have done that. Maybe a couple of us have. You should do it. I'm not advocating that you don't do it. I should do it. Um, But you don't have to, right? Like, if you buy some handhelds, you could use them. Um, If I hear someone else on the channel, I instantly switch off and switch to another channel. But I'm totally going to do it, I promise. Um, All right, I'm going to catch up on some some comments here. So wrong turn, making calls on – or making calls is spot on. Turned around on track in Namibia due to some hard – how hard the climbs were getting. Still have to get there somehow. Right. Yeah, you have to get home. You're right. And then Jack says, overlanding gets me further away from people to do my hobbies like mountain biking, hiking, ham radio. See, okay, sorry, Jack. I didn't mean to annoy you with the ham thing. Ham is cool. I like ham. Um, oh, man. Okay, good. All right, I'm, t- I'm trying not to make everybody mad in the chat because they're here listening, so they can actually confront me, unlike the people that may be listening and not chatting. Um, so, all right, so back to differences between overlanding, off-roading, and camping. Um, trip length, right? We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but, again, with off-roading – typically maybe a day, maybe two. It might be like an off-road weekend, like Wind Rock or something like that. It might be a two- or three-day trip, um, primarily focused on off-roading. But typically, it's not going to be much longer than a couple days. Um, camping, I feel like, is generally similar. Like, most people don't go camping for long periods of time. They may. Um, but typically, I feel like it's a night or a weekend trip, whereas overlanding is literally like the the point is to go as long as you can. Um and not a lot of us have that capability, right? Like, not of us can not a lot of us can take two weeks off work and go take a two week long trip all around the U.S. Um, but if I can squeeze out three or four days, if I can take a long weekend and take off a Friday and a Monday and leave Thursday night and get halfway there or get to the place and and camp out Thursday night, like I'm going to do that. Um, so typically, I think trip length is a little longer with overlanding. Again, no slight against any of these things, but just kind of a fact. Um, and then I think lastly the level of self-sufficiency makes a big difference, right? So again, just like my example earlier with the off-roading, I relied on other people to help me get back. I I borrowed tools from people because I knew that we were all, we all knew that we were going to break stuff. So like everybody had a bunch of tools. Um, But with overlanding, like you really have to be self-sufficient. There is no parking lot. There's no calling for a backhoe to come out and pull you out if you get stuck. Um, there's no getting, you know, toe strapped back up to the parking lot and maybe leaving it there for the night and coming back the next day with a trailer to get it. Um, you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, like, like, uh, wrong turn said, if he's in Namibia, like, what are you going to do? There is no getting towed out. So you have to be fully self-sufficient. You have to be able to cook your own food, prep your own food, store and cool your own food. You know, you may need to rely on solar, like deep cycle batteries, things like that in order to keep all your stuff running. Um, so it's just a longer term, more self-reliant endeavor, if you will. So again, hopefully that was broad enough and, and shine some light on the differences to clarify if you're newer to overlanding or off-roading, um, without pissing anyone off. Um, this episode is brought to you by Reese's peanut butter cups and breaking news. Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So next I wanted to touch on some resources, right? So again, if you're newer to overlanding or even if you're not, I mean, most of you guys that are not like, you know, Jack and wrong turn here talking in the, uh, 
in the comments are obviously seasoned overlanders. Um, I've never been to Namibia, so you're more seasoned than me already, wrong turn. Um, but so some resources, right? So one of the worst things I feel like that you can do as a new overlander or even as an experienced one is to just hit the trails without any sort of knowledge. And, you know, like I mentioned, like as much as we'd all like to be on the trails, you know, two, three weeks a month, it doesn't happen for a lot of us, right? So during our downtime, that can be, you know, learning from different resources can be a great way to kind of top off your knowledge and make sure that when you do get out there, you're not going to get stuck because of a lack of, you know, understanding how your winch works or understanding how to use your high lift jack or that sort of stuff. So I wanted to share some resources with you that I think are personally awesome um, and hopefully they're helpful, but you know, definitely check some of these out if you haven't already. Um, first thing that I want to mention, we all know about this thing, this little thing, it's owned by Google. It's called YouTube. It is a great resource. You have to be a little careful. There are some people like me that are just like saying things that they don't know anything about. <laughs> okay. I'm being self-deprecating, but you, you kind of get the point, right? Um, but there are a lot of channels out there like mine that are like talking about like, Hey, I'm new to overlanding. How do I plan a trip? Hey, I'm new to overlanding. What kind of vehicle should I choose? You know, that kind of stuff, the stuff that we've kind of touched on a little bit here. Um, and I'm going to list out some of them that, that I can definitely think of, um, you know, on the chat right now is all over overland. That's Michael Hyden. He's a great guy. He's, you know, puts out a podcast. He does a YouTube channel. He's got just tons of great content. He's interviewing all kinds of awesome people in like adventure travel, off-roading, you know, the folks that sell us the awesome gear that we all love, all kinds of stuff. So definitely check him out. Um, I also like, you know, a lot of the smaller guys, like Overland Pioneer is fantastic. Um, he makes awesome videos. He made the video for Core, uh, the Q&A um, off-road adventure retreat up in the UP. Um, so check out their website too, because he's got an awesome video from 2019 on there. I've watched it at least four or five times now. Cindy, the you know, one of the people in charge of core says I need to watch it 10 more times. So I'm, I'm working on that. It's only about 10 minutes long. So I've got, you know, a couple hours tonight. I'll try and knock it out. But Overland Pioneer is fantastic. Um, Revere Overland is one of my favorites. Um, he's a Kentucky guy with a British accent. <laughs> um, but he does just great, really in-depth videos, kind of like he's kind of like my, my goal, right? Like he's just really on top of it. He knows his stuff. He's very concise. His videos are interesting. And, and he's, you know, reaping the benefits. He's got a ton of followers now. His channel is growing and his content just keeps getting better. So Revere Overland is definitely another one. Um, Overland Addict, Chad Boyd, great dude. Um, he runs a physical shop now, which is currently closed down because of the COVID stuff. So definitely check out Overland Addict online because he's still shipping stuff and doing business that way. Um, but he has some really cool gear, some really cool stuff. And he has a YouTube channel, which is kind of, he was one of the first ones that I kind of watched that you know, helped me sort of get into overlanding. Like I, I watched his drawer build before I built my drawer system for my Xterra and I learned a ton from him. He built his out of 8020, which is really cool, but super expensive. Um, so I just built mine out of wood, but anyways, it's still good information. I learned a ton from it and it was, it was just awesome to see how he laid it out and planned it. So check out overland addict. Um, Arkansas off-road is it's called Arkansas off-road, but he actually mostly does overlanding trips and he has a Jeep TJ. Um, and he's blowing up on the internet because I just don't think there are a ton of guys with TJs doing overlanding stuff. Um, it's a little bit smaller of a, of a platform, but man, he made it work and he does a lot of super cool tricks. He's down by the trips. He's down by the Ozarks. So he's got some really cool videos of trips that he's done. I believe he's friends with Overland Addict too. So like they've done some stuff together and it's just a really cool channel. So that's just a few of them that I can think of. Um, so definitely check those guys out. You know, if you're looking to learn more about overlanding and just kind of see different people's setups and, and that sort of stuff. Um, next I would definitely recommend forums. So, and I don't just mean overlanding forums, right? Like the first thing that I did before I ever bought my Xterra, I started looking at, uh, Xterra forums because I just wanted to learn. I wanted to see like, are there common problems with the Xterras? What do I need to be ready for if I buy an Xterra? You know, like, um, what are mods? What do mods cost? What are common mods? What do people do? Um, so there's a ton that you can learn just by literally going to Google and typing in your vehicle comma forum and then finding that forum and joining the conversation, reading through some of the existing threads, asking questions of the people that have these vehicles and learning about them. So highly recommend a vehicle specific forum to get started on your platform. Um, Overland meetup 
is, as I mentioned, it's obviously a plug because we're on Overland Radio, which is part of the One Overland Network, which is where Overland Meetup came from. And that's kind of how I heard about this stuff. But I tell you what, guys, like I'm also on the Overland Bounds and the Expedition Portals, which are also great forums to be a part of and have they just have a ton of information on them. But the difference is like Overland Meetup is has that small community kind of feel to it. And like, you know, Lee will tell you a hundred times, you own your content on there. So it's a little different than, you know, the big boys, like where if you want to leave and delete all your stuff and take it with you, you can do that. You don't have to pay anything. Um, he really just wants to build a community. Like he's into overlanding too, and he just wants to build a community. So that's why I, I love that forum personally, because it's just neat. Um, there's also an all things overlanding group on there. So if you go to Overland Meetup, definitely join my group and hit me up in the comments. Um, so forums are also a good resource to utilize. Um, Facebook groups also very awesome, right? Like most of the guys, I think most of the people in the chat right now are like from Facebook groups where, where we went and posted that I'd be on the radio tonight. So, you know, there's, you can get kind of a quick reaction on, on Facebook groups. It's a little harder to find archived information and search out stuff that, you know, maybe happened a couple months ago, which is why I like forums still. But if you just have a really quick question, or if you want to learn about like specific stuff to your area, like I have joined Kentucky Adventure Trail Facebook groups. I've joined, you know, Michigan Facebook groups. Um, Midwest Overlanders is one. I've got a, an episode coming this Sunday um, with the founder of Midwest Overlanders. He's actually how I got into overlanding. I had just bought my Xterra. I was excited about overlanding, but I had no idea where to go or how to take my first trip. And I found this Facebook group, Midwest Overlanders, and I hopped into it and this guy, Cody, said, hey, a couple of us are going to Hoosier National Forest this weekend for an overlanding trip for a few days. And I was like, I don't know who any of you are, but I'll meet strangers in the woods and take my chances, you know, like hope I don't get murdered. And I didn't. And it was great. And I've got more friends. I've met all these people and I've taken several trips. I've been to Manistee with uh, that group. I've been to West Virginia with a few guys from that group. And all those trips are awesome and super memorable. Um, so definitely check out local Facebook groups because you can learn a ton from them. You can make connections. Um, I'm pretty sure that's actually how I met Lee was through Facebook and then he brought me over to overland meetup. So anyways, definitely check out Facebook groups and just search for, you know, overlanding comma, the state that you're in or the area that you're in. And, and you can find a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, and then don't be afraid. This is one that I don't think most people talk about, but as a content creator, I would say, don't be afraid to hit us up, right? Like I feel like you watch that expedition portal one. And I think unfortunately a lot of people are, are sort of jaded because I think if you reach out to like an overland bound and no offense, I, maybe I'm totally wrong, right? Like this is totally speculation, but like, I feel like if you reach out to some of those, those bigger guys, bigger quote unquote with tons of subscribers and stuff that you may not hear back from them. Right. But especially the small guys, I think you definitely will. Like I try and respond to every single comment that someone puts on YouTube. I get a ton of emails. I get requests from Instagram. You know, there's a guy from, Sweden that I talk to pretty frequently that is a badass dude. He does like ice diving stuff. And like, he just bought, he was looking at a Nissan and he was talking to me about that. And he just bought a Pajero, a, a Mitsubishi Montero basically over there. And uh, it's just cool. Like that's, I enjoy it personally. So, I mean, I kind of speak for all content creators, I think, but hit them up. And if they don't respond, cool, write them off. That's fine. But don't hesitate to reach out to anybody on YouTube and, and just see who's you know willing to chat because you could get a ton of good information, especially like for me, if you're an Xterra person. Over the years, I've learned quite a bit about Xterras and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. So, you know, the worst thing that happens is they, they don't reply to you, right? Um, so just hit them up. Try them out. If you hit me up, I promise I will respond. If not, you can come on here and you can light me up because I probably missed it and I will apologize profusely and I will I will do whatever it takes to make it up to you. So, yeah, don't hesitate to hit up content creators wherever you see them and, and just learn from them. Um, so that kind of wraps up those three kind of beginner, quote unquote, overlanding things that I wanted to touch on. I'm going to wrap it up with just like a quick, hopefully fairly quick update on my do-it-yourself rooftop tent because, you know, I posted this in my DIY rooftop tent Facebook group. And I, I think it's an interesting topic. Like two months ago, I didn't even know that people were making their own rooftop tents. And I was looking at them online. I'm looking at like used Smitty built Overlander tents, you know, that have the vinyl covers. And I love those tents. I think they're great, but it's still a lot of work to undo all the snaps, you know, throw the vinyl down over the other side of your vehicle, set up the tent, all that stuff. Um, again, nothing against those tents. I was literally about to buy one. Um, but even the used ones are like 550, 600 bucks for one of those tents. 
And I am right now about 250 bucks into my rooftop tent. It's a clamshell design and it has gas struts. So it's going to be basically like a hard shell, clamshell rooftop tent when I'm done. Um, I also built it to be very modular and, and so I could replace things really easily. So, um, and for the price, again, it, you just, it's going to be tough to beat that. Like it'd be tough to have a, you know, a manual fold up tent um, for twice or three times the price or more. A lot of them are way more than that. So, Anyways, oh, Overland Addict is here. Hey, Chad, I was just talking about you. Your ears must be burning. Um, all good things, though. All good things. So, anyways, getting back to it. So, the deal with yourself rooftop tent. So, again, my story, I sort of found out about it via a Facebook post and then joined a Facebook group. And it's an awesome group. Um, tons of good information on there. And there are people doing the craziest stuff I've ever seen, like, you know, quadruple gas strut, straight up and down opening fiberglass rooftop tents that they're building themselves or aluminum. Like these things are better than some that I've seen that you can buy. And it's amazing. Um, so mine's not going to be that fancy. So keep your expectations realistic. It's definitely not. Mine's made primarily out of wood. Um, and then I Herculined it. So I basically made about a seven and a half foot box by 36 inches across. It fits just about perfect on top of my truck. It actually overhangs the front a little more than I would like, but it's not bad. Um, and I did that because of the dimensions of the tent that I was going to buy. And I bought basically a backpacking, uh, you know, V-shape or A-frame type tent. And I'm adhering that to the top of the lid. And then the gas struts pick up the lid and that opens the tent. And it does have an awning on it, which is why I bought this specific tent. Um, there's some videos on my YouTube channel. So if you're curious about that, go check those out. They've got links in the description, all the stuff that I used in them. Um, but I've hit some difficulties recently. For example... Um, the uh, the box that I built was a couple inches longer than I initially planned. And when I got the tent, so I built the box off of the dimensions on Amazon for the tent. And I read it multiple times and said, you know, it's over seven and a half feet long, over seven and a half feet long, blah, blah, blah. When I got the tent, it measures out at about seven foot two. <laughs> so I've got four inches that I'm shy on and I've added two inches to the box. So I'm about six inches total shy from the tent. So it's actually, I'm having to change up my whole design and I don't know how well it's going to work, but I'm excited to try it and hopefully not get soaked the first time that I use it and it rains. Um, I'm actually going to build a separate rain fly now that goes outside of the box because the in original intention was to stretch the tent out, like cut the bottom out of the tent and then adhere it to the outside of the box so that any, you know, condensation or rain would go outside the box and then down. Um, but the tent is too small. It's not going to, it's just not going to work. And I, I kind of also am lazy and don't like the idea of, you know, having to sew all this stuff. And that's why I wanted to buy a pre-made tent and just sort of slap it in a box. Right. So now what I'm thinking is I'm actually going to keep the box or keep the tent inside the box. And then I'm going to build a rain fly that goes all the way around the outside of the tent that is deployable. Um, so if it's going to rain, if there's going to be something like that, then I can actually move that outside of the tent, um, to waterproof it. So I don't know. It's, it's total fabrication because I ran into this problem and I've already built this box and I'm not doing it again. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see how it works. And if it's terrible, then I'll, I'll rework it. But so I'm working on that right now. Um, I'm probably a couple weeks out because of those delays now. I had to order some different gas struts. That was another problem is I ordered 80-pound gas struts times two. And it's actually they're so strong that they're they're putting stress on the hinge of the design. And it won't close right. Like it's it's actually offsetting the lid so that it doesn't fit down over the lip properly. So I've removed those and I've ordered new struts. So anyways, yeah, Jack, good point. Um, the awning can be great. I had my tent under my awning um, when it, we had a rainstorm not too long ago, and uh, it actually collapsed my awning on top of my tent. So not only was I an idiot enough to break my awning, but I also woke up to a, a torrential flood of water pouring into my tent. So yeah, anyways, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, if if you do it right, make sure that you put enough dip that you set one of the legs of your awning far enough down so that the water drains. I thought I had it far enough down. I did not anticipate as much rain as we got. It beat my awning into submission and then ended up breaking one of the one of the arms of it. So, but the awning can be a good, you know, short-term thing. It can be extra protection from the rain for sure. So good point. Um, yeah, Oz Oz stuff is awesome. Like Oz stuff is I, I've got a couple of buddies with like the Oz swag and it's man, it's so cool, but they're, that's still more than I've spent on my rooftop tent. Right. So like for me, the, 
there are other pros to the rooftop tent besides just the convenience. So half the reason I'm doing a DIY rooftop tent is because I want to get rid of the sleeping bag, the, you know, I've got some memory fat memory pad foams that I was using. I was, I've been hammock and, and tarp camping for a long time, long time, but I also really like winter camping and that just gets too cold for me. So I was doing tent camping with a cot and memory foam pads and a sleeping bag and a wool blanket. And there's just too much stuff. So it's taking up a ton of room in my in my truck. So that's kind of half the reason why I want a semi-permanent rooftop tent up there where I can throw a lot of that stuff, get rid of the cot, get rid of the tent, put the sleeping bag, the wool blanket, the pillow, everything else up there and free up some room inside the truck. So there are other benefits to that, right? Um, besides just the convenience. Um, but so that's kind of an update on the rooftop tent. So again, there'll be more updates next time, but it's coming along. It's going pretty well. I'm excited about it. There have definitely been some challenges, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hey, Chad. Um, so, yeah, so to kind of wrap things up, you know, we're, we're getting long on time here. You guys probably have better things to do than listen to me all night. So um, to wrap things up, I did want to point out that Overland Radio has some awesome contests going on right now. Um, so if you go to overlandradio.com slash contests, you'll see there there's a couple of them right now. So one is they are actually raffling off a $12,000 brand new custom built tent or tent trailer with a rooftop tent supplied by Artemis Overland on it. So go to overlandradio.com slash contests. And then there you'll see that blue line overland trailer raffle. Um, it, all the money goes to, to a good cause. It's for uh, Blue Line Overland to do Shop with a Cop. And they do, you know, they go shopping for underprivileged kids and stuff and get them gifts. Um, so it's a great cause, too. But just a super cool chance to win a, a custom-built, um, you know, overlanding trailer with, you know, already equipped with a rooftop tent. So $12,000 deal for basically the tickets are 100 bucks, I think. So you just pay 100 bucks and then you get your chance. Um, and they're only selling 100 tickets. So actually the chances are pretty good. Um, so that's one of them. Then the other one is they have a new one that they just started about a day ago that's a submit your best photo to win kind of contest. So literally you just upload a picture of your truck or SUV or bike or whatever and kind of list out what you've done to it. And uh, the winner, the person that's chosen, will win a one-year Gaia GPS subscription. So if you like Gaia already, you could get another year for free. So you should definitely check those out because that's just cool stuff that they're doing over there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, pretty much got to everything that I that I wanted to cover. So thank you guys, specifically you guys in the, in the chat. I appreciate you guys jumping on, Jack, Wrong Turn. Uh, Chad, aka Overland Addict, I talked about you and and hopefully you didn't hear it and you're not embarrassed by my weirdness. So let's wrap it up there. On that note, <laughs> let's call it a night. Um, don't forget, if you're listening and you want to hear more of, you know, kind of the adventures of the Xterra, the do-it-yourself rooftop tent, um, I've done some cool interviews recently of like uh, the gentleman from Midwest Overlanders is going to be on this Sunday. I've interviewed Cindy from Core, uh, like I mentioned. I just did one about a week ago with about seven or eight different uh, uh, adventure business folks and how this COVID-19 stuff is affecting them and kind of, you know, their challenges and kind of their solutions that they're coming up with to overcome that. So definitely go check me out, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all things overlanding. If you just search anywhere on there, you'll see me. Um, But yeah, I'd love to see you guys in the comments. I'd love to chat with you more. So thanks for stopping by tonight and I hope you guys have a good one. We'll talk next week.